Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. Well, if you are at a state where you already know something that you really want to be changed, start focusing on that and start listening to your inner voices just around that. Mm. But for a lot of people, you might not have that one thing quite yet. And I think the best place to start is just with a little bit of stillness. Check in with yourself each morning. Actually ask yourself how you feel. And the more you can practice doing this throughout the day, when you are feeling a big emotion, stop and listen see if you can subside it a little bit ask what's in it those little things you might not get as much out of it as you will later on but it's developing a new pattern of reaction instead of just reacting how you normally would whether it's to a person or to a situation with emotional eating or hibernating or whatever start to identify listen because you have to have that step before you can make any real change from a good place. All right, friends, I got yet another treat for you today, and it is one of my favorite friends and people in my world, Melissa Monti. She's a speaker, entrepreneur, and the host of the Mind Love podcast. You've got to check out her show if you haven't already. She discovers and works through and has guests that are all things spiritual, self-love, self-development, and mindset, and I just think it's such an incredible show. You've got to look at it, and um, obviously, she's just a wonderful human, so I figured that we could talk about how to really find yourself and how to come home to yourself because you'll hear it here. She went through a lot of her own U-turns to get to where she is now growing the show and doing so well. So Melissa, thank you for setting aside the time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Isn't it funny how every podcast, because you you and I both do so many, everybody says, thanks for having me. And we do it. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) what else is there to say? You know? (laughs) Well, I am grateful, so it's got to be said. It it is true. And it's like, what if we lived a life where we just said what we were thinking? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, great. It's great to be here. Feeling a little under the weather, a little bit of heartburn, but really excited about this podcast. (laughs) My coffee's on the counter. All I'm doing is staring at it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So kind of getting started, I feel like you had kind of a shit storm earlier on in your life. And I find it just so powerful because 
I think so many people define themselves based on where they are and they don't see beyond it. And you clearly had some sort of mindset that got you from kind of just being all over the place, like being in a wrong relationship, even though you were doing well in your career, like you just had so many stories you've been sharing with me over these, over this year that I've gotten to know you. So I'm really curious for anybody listening, if you could paint a picture of like the transformation you've had. (laughs) Well, (laughs) going through my story for the longest time, I remember my mom being like, well, one day you'll write a book about all this. And I was like, but I don't understand. There's no through line. Each chapter is different with a whole different mistake. It's like chicken to the screwed up soul. So I've just been realizing what it was all leading me to recently. And so just for a little background, I'm through high school. It was about middle of high school that the first bad thing that I think ever happened to me did. And so at that moment, I was sexually assaulted and nothing nothing had really ever happened to me before. So I had no idea how to handle any sort of trauma, any sort of real struggle. And from there, I think that was a root in everything else, in the way I handled things. There was something about that moment that I began to let things outside of myself define what I thought I was worth or what I thought I was capable of. And it was bleeding into everything else. And so really soon afterwards, a close friend committed suicide and my dad died. Mm. And then uh, at that point, all I wanted to do was escape my own life. But I didn't see this as the same because I was still in college getting good grades. And, and so on the outside, nobody really knew what was happening in the inside. But on the inside, I was dying in a way. I couldn't be alone. I was drinking heavily every single night. My nickname in the sorority system of San Diego State University was party girl. So that's got to tell you a lot. Um, And yeah, from there I ended up moving away when things got too hard. And then I moved back and I met a guy who almost ruined my life. So I woke up one morning just in a jail cell trying to figure out how to throw up my food. And I was like, everything is ruined. Like, I just want to press the reset button on life. I have an eating disorder. I have a criminal record now. And what am I supposed to do? I can't get married because he's going to find out my deepest, darkest secret. I can't get a real job. It was pretty hard. And so at that moment, I realized if I didn't make changes, I was just going to die. So I started reading a lot of books and wasn't taking action yet, wasn't really doing the things in the books, but slowly but surely it started to seep into my thought processes. And instead of all of my dangerous thoughts going on the whole time, I had something else, like maybe an inspirational quote from Don Miguel Ruiz would pop up or something along those lines. And and after Uh, hearing uh, new voices in my head for a little while. Then I took action to do yoga teacher training, which helped surround myself with positive people. And then I was doing better in my career and I started to make bolder moves of separating off and doing my own thing. And yeah, it was, it was a long journey. A lot happened in there, but, um, it, it made me who I am today. So Mm. gratitude. You know, I, I heard a lot of, um, kind of like feelings of rock bottom throughout and it, I always wonder, like, is there really one or do we just keep going lower into, you know, like, was the moment in the jail cell your rock bottom? 
it definitely was my rock bottom. Yeah. And what I believe about rock bottoms, especially that, that person that I was dating was an addict in many ways. He was secretly robbing houses, which is why we got in. We ended up in jail because I had a bunch of stolen jewelry that I thought was purchased. And, and so what I've learned from having my own rock bottom and being alongside of somebody else that was also going through a really hard rock bottom is that a lot of times people try to pull you out of it instead of you being in it. And so when you have those people, yes, it's great to have a support system, but at the same time, every time somebody would bail me out, it was like putting a cushion under me for my own rock bottom. And I was doing that for him as well, because when I met this horrible relationship, his dad died. So I had this bond with him like, oh, you're going through all this because nobody understands and everyone wants you to get over it, which is what I heard. And so I kept cushioning his. And at the same time, I ended up just going down with him. And so it got me to view my own rock bottoms differently and realize that in a rock bottom, I have to deal with it myself. Yes, I can have people to talk to and things like that. But the more I have people to put a cushion under me, the easier it is to blame or expect or anything that, again, distracts the attention from your own work that you need to do. So yeah, it was Mm -hmm. difficult, but I had about 10 rock bottoms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of my things that I think often when it comes to rock bottom is that um, it's one of the most important places. And I just find it um, so interesting when I know somebody that I see about to go into rock bottom, because in the past I've wanted to spare them, save them, especially if it's a rock bottom that I know if I've been in that, yeah. that sort, I'm like, Oh, I know that one. You don't need to do that. Let me help you. And you know, there've been some interesting times, like, you know, I was on your podcast. So anybody, if you guys check out mine, love, I was on there talking about how I lost all my money. And going through that kind of losing $5 million is a special sort of rock bottom. And it's, it's money. So it comes and goes. It's not life. It's not jail. It's just like a tough experience. And um, I remember kind of just sitting in that and meeting somebody who their business was about to go under and they were making the same mistakes that I was. And somebody linked us. And I got on Skype with him and I was like, oh, I bet you that your employee um, in marketing is saying this to you. And I bet you that one's saying that one to you. And I'm betting that you want to believe it because things are looking like this and you don't want it to be true. He's like, yes. And I'm like, turn off your business and keep all your money. And I got a message from him um, a voice note in tears saying like, thank you so much for that. I, I'm like able to afford my home now because I chose not to stay in denial because of our conversation. And it was like, oh, wow, I was so happy. Like he must've not been meant for that rock bottom that I experienced. But a lot of the times there's so many friends that I've had where it's like, okay, this is the dignity of their process. And I can, I can let them know I don't think that they're making good choices. I can let them know that I love them. I don't want that for them. But after that, you kind of have to step back and let it happen. So I'm curious, like, what is the biggest thing you learned in your rock bottom? Well, a lot of what you just said, first of all, I had chills from that story you told me. And I also really related to wanting to help people through theirs. And so it's hard to understand what my biggest lesson was in my rock bottom because I do feel like I had several and they were in different areas of my life. And so for me, what I learned is that at that moment, 
at each of those rock bottoms, they were significant ways that I needed to learn about myself or that I was completely shutting myself off and trying to heal whatever was going on by outside forces. And because I wasn't turning inward for any of those, there was little that I could learn with the first few, which was why the last one was so hard for me. Mm. I think if I would have gone inward and discovered a little bit more about what was driving these behaviors, what actually made me happy instead of just watching around me or being fed by media or scrolling through Instagram and comparing all of these other ways that we think, well, maybe if I did this, then my life would be better. But I wasn't actually turning inward to see what do you really want? When was the last time that you were so happy? Mm. What are the things that really bring you down? Or why do you feel the need to help this person so much? Then maybe I would have learned that I'm extremely empathic. And so for me, if I'm next to somebody that's going through a rock bottom, at this point in my journey, or at that point in my journey, I should say, I couldn't be the one that they leaned on because I was not strong enough to separate their feelings from mine at that point. Mm. And so everything they were feeling, I needed to fix it so that I didn't have to feel that way. And so it was almost a selfish way of helping somebody else through. And even now there's certain points in relationships where I had a friend that was just going through something that reminded me of that relationship. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's a narcissist. Like none of these things is he he taking to heart. I I wanted to be the one that just got her out of it, but she needed to learn herself. But Mm -hmm. I also was having too hard of a time being right next to her. So I had to take a few steps back and in order to keep my own wholeness at that moment. So there's just been a lot that I've been able to learn mm-hmm. that has helped me show up, not just for myself, but for other people in a better way. Mm. And, you know, it's like, I think a lot of the times that people are at rock bottom, it's like we're all reaching for ground, you know? We're all reaching to feel like some sense of security, some sense of grounding, some sense of plan or purpose. And I think one of the things I kind of realized there too is that, like there is no real ground and that even in life when we think we have it, even when we're not at rock bottom, it's like we're all pretty groundless. Plans are just made up, you know, everything can change. And so it's like when you're at rock bottom, when you're in that groundless place, it's kind of magical because although it hurts, it's like you get to start over because you have no choice, you know? And definitely. So it's, you know, so interesting. So you, you found yourself and 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 I can feel that, you know, like you feel like somebody in the room who knows herself to me and um, you have some steps. And so I would love to kind of just talk about like what it looked like when you found each of these steps, because to me, for anybody who's feeling like they're at rock bottom right now, it's like the first step is to cut out the noise, both outside of you, all the people that you're taking advice from and shopping around from. Um, but also inside of you, like all the thoughts you're buying into about what you need to do or what you should do so that you can come home to what you actually want to do. So I'm curious, your first step was about commitment. And I'm so curious to hear for anybody wanting to find themselves or get out of rock bottom, like what does commitment look like or how can they start to reach for that now? Well, for me, I think there's one important differentiation that needs to be made when we are first committing to actually discovering ourselves or building that relationship. And that's that I don't think that we find ourselves all at once. I think that 
I think the journey of life is all self-discovery. So yes, I know myself and the difference is now I accept myself. Mm. And so I look at it, I choose to look at my life every day with gratitude for what already is, to try to love myself, what I know about myself as much as possible with curiosity. Because right now I, I feel like I really know who I am today, but I also know how much more there is to discover throughout the rest of my life. And so the commitment piece for me is realizing that you're not always going to know everything. New things are going to pop up that you're going to have to learn to deal with. But instead of being resistant towards those things, ask why. Like, look at it with curiosity. Wonder what there is to discover in that next step. Wonder why it's showing up to you and how you're going to come out better at the end of this challenge. And so those two things combined, waking up every day, being fully acceptant of what is, or at least trying to, accepting that you're not always going to feel okay and that's okay, and then also just being thankful for it all. And so the commitment piece, I think, is a big step in any new thing that you're doing, whether you are working towards self-development, whether you're working on a business, whether you're working on a relationship, first you need to commit. Because think about it. If you go into a new marriage and you're like, okay, like this is cool right now, but if you mess up, things are going to be different. Mm. It's not a real commitment. And I think we do that with ourselves a lot. We feel okay. And maybe we feel beautiful and successful one day, and then something happens and we start to beat ourselves up. And that is not real commitment toward your growth. That is expectant. That is, um, I don't know, just being hard. It's being judgmental. So I think those are two different things. So, you know, and my master's in spiritual psychology, like years ago, one of my favorite things I ever learned is that if you want to build confidence, you need to honor, you need to create commitments because when it's a positive feedback loop with yourself and reversibly, if you make commitments or you make promises to yourself and you don't keep them, you hurt your self-esteem and it's, it's long-term damage. Like you need to, um, because if you can't show up for yourself, then it's just um, how do you show up for anybody else, you know, or believe in yourself. And so I think that's great to kind of like step into commitment. Um, Also, I just love what you're saying about like seeing things as they are, you know, because I think sometimes you can't really make a commitment or kind of rise back up unless you're really willing to look at things. Um, And it, you know, kind of brings me back to that idea of like how self-love isn't always, you know, going to the spa and getting a massage. Like sometimes it's making, you know, a spreadsheet of your debt. And, and changing your diet, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I even recently made the commitment. My weight has always fluctuated and not a lot, but for somebody that had an eating disorder for 10 years, I notice everything and it's still something I'm working on. And I recently was like, well, you know, I could, I could lose another seven pounds and that would be perfect. And I stopped myself and realized, no, Obviously, what you need to work on right now is just loving your body in general. How how about be a little freer for a little bit and become fully comfortable in your skin and so thankful that your body survived all the crap you put it through for a decade and love it. Just be good to it. And then there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight for health or to, you know, keep, stay more active and make sure you're eating healthy, but it shouldn't to me be for the weight loss. And so 
look at your motivations behind things and wonder, are you striving for some outward expectation of perfection or what other people want you to be? Or because you're really going to be happy because that's the difference with that food example for me is that I, I want to eat healthy and exercise so that my body's in its best shape so it can carry me through. And I feel energetic and I feel good not because I want to look better on Instagram. And so the same thing happens even with business goals. Are you striving for that next goal so you can make some financial state or financial goal that you think will look cool on the outside or that so you can say you did or because at that moment all of your needs will be met and the stresses will be down? Like Just a slight shift in focus can keep your goals the same, but you'll be coming at it with a whole new energy. Mm-hmm. You know, like as I'm writing the U-Turn book right now, which is his own special universe that I'm in because I uh, really, I just got an extension for that because I had all these things happening. And in the TED Talk I was giving, I actually talked about this idea um, of when something is, where something's coming from, kind of like what you're saying, I think is so key for anybody listening. It's like, is it wounded or is it inspired? You know? And... Mm-hmm something wounded, a goal that's wounded comes from scarcity, comes from trying to prove yourself, comes from wanting to be important, wanting to be significant. Whereas inspired comes from like this pure energy state that you have, um, this excitement that you have, your joy, your love. And I think that most people, when they're sitting there here right now, listening to this podcast, um, there's a big likelihood that they haven't asked themselves why they want the goals that they're reaching for right now. Is it because you're inspired by these goals or are you inspired, but it's really just actually coming from a wounded place, you know? And when it comes to goals, you know, I, I think about all the celebrities who like lose their mind, you know, like Lindsay Lohan or Amanda Bynes, who I actually grew up with, or, you know, Britney Spears shaving her head. And it's like, you know, all of that usually comes because we think our goals are going to give us a certain feeling. And then when we don't get that feeling, we have a breakdown. You know, it's like this, it's like we spend our lives like trying to achieve goals because we think that they're going to feel a certain way after years and years or weeks or weeks of working towards these goals. And we don't feel that thing. It's like, there's this huge hangover, you know? Exactly. And the thing is, is I remember earlier in my self-development journey, I would read books and something would say, yeah, but where did this come from? Oh, there was a moment in childhood when this happened or whatever. And I used to think that it was crap back then because I couldn't sense those things. And I think that is something that people need to realize where there might be people further along in their journey where I might realize now when somebody's telling me a story, I feel like I can clearly see where that's coming from in your life. But They don't have that ability to see that quite yet because when you start this self-discovery process, you're at the edge of the onion. You're only one layer in maybe. And so your not only willingness to see some of these patterns might not yet be there, but also your ability to really be aware of some of the more subtleties in your own behavioral patterns are going to be really hard to spot at that time too. But the good news is with practice and repetition, it's like learning your own language when you really start to be still and and listen to your thoughts and identify those patterns. 
And before you know that, you're only going to pick up on a few of the words. And so once you do get to know your language, though, then now, now I can spot something really quickly. When I'm triggered and I react emotionally, I'm like, oh, that's where that's coming from. And it becomes easier to pick off some of these unwanted, unwanted patterns. Mm-hmm. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com slash Clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash Clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And so I think um, right now for anybody listening, if we could give them an action step around commitment, something that's really clear that they can go do after this episode, what would you say is a good uh, a couple suggestions maybe for them to consider? Well, if you are at a state where you already know something that you really want to be changed, start focusing on that and start listening to your inner voices just around that. Mm. But for a lot of people, you might not have that one thing quite yet. And I think the best place to start is just with a little bit of stillness. Mm. Check in with yourself each morning. Actually ask yourself how you feel. And the more you can practice doing this throughout the day when you are feeling a big emotion, Stop and listen. See if you can subside it a little bit. Ask what's in it. Those little things, you might not get as much out of it as you will later on, but it's developing a new pattern of reaction instead of just reacting how you normally would, whether it's to a person or to a situation with emotional eating or um, hibernating or whatever. Start to identify, listen, Because you have to have that step before you can make any real change from a good place. Yeah. You know, this also kind of makes me think a lot about your story and how you shared how you were sitting in jail. And then what was, I remember thinking about your yoga certification or how you reached out for yoga. And it's like, that was one move. That was one commitment that you showed up in. And it feels like when you were telling your story that it was a huge pivot for you and it leaked everywhere in your life. So it's like, Sometimes um, people are not connected to themselves enough to realize like, oh, wow, I just need to come home to myself. Like I was talking to Amanda Bucci the other day and she was talking on her podcast on Bucci Radio about how um, she was feeling less inspired by some of her business models. And we had this whole conversation about, well, what are some of the things that you've been wanting to do all this time that don't relate to your business or do? that you kind of miss. Like, what are some things in yourself that you kind of want to express? And she loves to go to these beach dancing classes. I love to go to hip hop classes. And I was just realizing with her that when we do one thing that brings us home to ourselves, that energy usually leaks everywhere and, it be, and our standards go up because something feels so good that we want to feel good everywhere. And it just starts to have this automatic effect on our life where it's like, I start taking hip hop classes and I feel more vitality, more excitement, you know? And then next thing I know, it's like my friendships become more fun. And then I kind of hold a higher standard in my career where I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that thing that doesn't feel exciting to me anymore, you know? Yeah, it's the dissonance and what feels good and what doesn't. And we, if we aren't surrounding ourselves by those things that light us up, then our median, the, the average of all of our feelings are going to be whatever standards we have at that moment. So it 
it makes perfect sense. And it's interesting because people are like, well, of course, yeah, yoga teacher training would make a lot of changes. But when I started yoga, I started because, wow, power yoga is an amazing workout. It was almost still feeding other addictions, but it was a right choice. I also worked out way too much back then. I'd go to the gym for like three hours and a yoga class. And so it was the yoga teacher training where it started, even those things that might, that was where I was at. That's all I could do at that moment. I knew it would make me feel good, but I was still feeding other mental addictions. But still, even that is okay because it's taking a positive step forward. It's funny just because I was just having a conversation with somebody about how, oh my gosh, yoga is not supposed to be the way it is right now. It's supposed to be a deeply meditative practice. And I'm like, you know, things evolve. And some of these things are like gateway drugs to something better. You know, it's, it's, um, and yoga was kind of my gateway drug that started with less good intentions and ended up like you said, spreading throughout everywhere else in my life. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. And another step that we talked about before we recorded was you said awareness. And I think that this is, you know, everything. Like if you look at religious traditions and Buddhism, it's like any sort of spirituality, awareness is a word that you're going to always hear. And it's so funny because sometimes we eye roll at the things that are going to move the needle, you know? Um, So talk to me, like what what did awareness look like for you? And how can somebody start to really cultivate that? Because I know everybody here, like we will tell them like, pay attention to your thoughts, but like, what did that really look like for you? Well, first, first step for me was in reading all of those books. I read like hundreds of books. Seriously. I did start to become aware of different things because I was feeding my brain with things outside of my own internal spiraling thoughts. So that was really helpful. But something that was so simple and a huge needle mover for me was that I actually dedicated to carrying around a small little journal and writing down any limiting beliefs that came up for me for three full days. And it was interesting because I had come across this exercise in a few different forms through a few of the books that I read. And I would just kind of do it in my head thinking, well, I'm still getting this knowledge. I'm receiving this knowledge. So I'm, I know what my limiting beliefs are. And I would like quickly scan through a couple of them, but I wasn't seeing the changes I wanted to see in my life. So at this moment, it was another turning point for me that just happened a few years ago that I recommitted. And I was like, no, I'm going to do things differently than I did before. If there is an exercise in a book, I'm going to sit down and give it my all. I'm not just going to do it in my head. So I thought this exercise was kind of cheesy. I did do the eye roll to it, but I committed and I was like, things are going to be different now. I'm doing it. And of course, the things that I was already used to popped up, but then a few that I was not expecting popped up. Like All of a sudden, I realized that multiple times when I was thinking about starting something big, I was doubting my ability to sustain it. And I was thinking maybe I was, the words that went through my head were too ADD like my dad. Mm. And I remembered a time in childhood because by this time I was starting to realize that if maybe if a random childhood memory pops up with a limiting belief, that might be the root. <laughs> it might be just that simple. And I remember hearing that about my dad. My dad was starting a business venture and I was so excited because my dad kind of lived more in poverty. He lived in what I considered the ghetto and I really wanted to have like a wealthier dad. Mm-hmm. And so 
when he came over sharing this business idea with my mom, he left and I was so excited. I was like, this is when my dad's going to move to somewhere better and I'm going to actually like going to his house. And my mom's like, your dad's always starting stuff like this. Doubt he'll be doing the same thing in a few weeks. And I didn't realize that when my dad passed, somehow this was never my story before. I had never adopted it until my dad passed. And suddenly I had been living with that story. I don't know how I adopted it, but I did. And writing it down and crossing it out and writing something more empowering was my process through this journaling period. And I don't know, but something magical opened up and I never had that story again. Ever since I got it out of my head and saw it from a new perspective and just crossed it out and wrote something simpler, that hasn't been my story. So it might be something simple. It might be something that you think is cheesy, but give it a try. And seeing anything from a fresh perspective gets you to think in a new way about it. Yeah. And you know, it's just so interesting because I was listening to you say the word limiting belief. And I remember, and I talk about them, but um, I don't usually use, I guess it's just like, yeah, I I talk about buying into beliefs, um, but what would be your take on a limiting belief for anybody listening? Like, can you give some examples of ones that you noticed in your, in your mind? When I think of a limiting belief, all I think of is there's a few things. The first, it's a, it's a belief or pattern that you've been living by that you haven't yet questioned. So thought. And so, yeah. And so a lot of these times, it's just that we haven't brought awareness to this one thing and questioned if there's another way. And so that's why the awareness part is so important because sometimes it's as little as shedding light on this little monster that's been living in your mind. So the moment I brought awareness to it, shed a new light on it and realized, wait, that doesn't have to be true. I was able to create a new path. So when I'm picturing it, I'm picturing like, you know, brain connections, neural connections, like used to just looping through and you have to actually pave a new path at first. So like think of a forest, there's one path that's already completely paved, and you can just run right through it. The other one you've got to start walking on and it's uncomfortable and there's rocks and shrubs that need to be moved. And it might take thought the entire time you walk through, but every time you do that, you're carving these new paths that eventually, if you are willing to give it the care and the work and the time, become the new path you can just run through. And so that's how I look at creating any, any new pattern. And yeah, the limiting beliefs is such a buzzword these days, but really it's just like this more of a fixed mindset and, and being willing to question it in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so the third step that we kind of talked about was relationship. And I'm so curious what that one means because it can mean so many things, so many ships, friendships, relationships. Um, I'm curious, what does a relationship mean for you when it comes to finding yourself? So let's say somebody listening right now, they're at their rock bottom, or maybe they're not, they're just not happy with where they are. And they want to reach out and make some sort of commitment. Like you chose yoga. And then they start paying attention to what they're believing about themselves or the world and writing it down and questioning it. Um, which by the way is, is easier said than done, right? Like really looking at your limiting beliefs, it's like reminding everybody listening that you've been buying into the same shit for years a lot of the time, right? Like, like I used to have a belief that curves were not good on my body. So whenever I look at my body, I'd be like, oh God, so many curves. And it took like years for me to actually make friends with my curves, you know? Um, so I'm kind of curious with relationship, like how do you hold that and how does it relate for everybody listening? Well, what I love that you did there is you noticed the way you were talking to yourself. And so this 
and you, you changed it. You said, make friends. And so that is how I picture developing the relationship with yourself. And this, this step goes really well after awareness because you start to notice not just your own patterns, but how you're handling those patterns, how you're talking to yourself through your mistakes and your ups and downs. And the relationship part comes with, did you notice how you were treating yourself? If the, if the way you were talking to yourself and treating yourself were, were two different people, if that's how you were treating your significant other or your little sister or your best friend, what kind of relationship would that be? And so for a lot of people, if they're going through this, it's because that relationship needs healing. And through the awareness of the last step, you're going to learn where you are hardest on yourself, where you do need the most work, where you, what parts of yourself are completely undiscovered mm. and start giving a little time, attention and love to those things. You know, it's interesting. You were talking about body image and eating disorders earlier. And, you know, in my twenties, I definitely maintained my weight and I've never had an eating disorder, but I, it's so common. I had so many friends who did, especially growing up in LA. Um, and it's interesting because in my 20s, my health and my fitness and my eating were all about calories in, calories out, and me keeping my body thin. Enough, thin enough, you know? <laughs> and and I, I had like tendencies, but I, you know, I never felt like I had an eating disorder because I didn't spend too much time thinking about food still. Um, but in my 30s now, it's like I, cont I continue now to see food as just fuel because things are starting to show up in my health. Like I'm having like weird aches and like brain fog and I'm getting tired at weird points of the day where I can't work as well. And I'm like, wow, this is really influencing my life. You know, um, I'm starting to get like wrinkles and like putting sunblock on, you know, like all the things. Um, and so I'm kind of curious, like when it came down to your relationship with yourself and how you were treating yourself and how you're treating other people, what was like the one thing you noticed the most that you really shifted? A lot of my issues had to come back to food because of how severe my eating disorder was. So the first thing that come to mind when you talk about that are the weight things. I think it's difficult to live in the society we live in and not at least have disordered patterns uh, in our head or disordered thinking, even if we don't take it the next step to disordered eating. So because of what we're fed in the media, and it's just a lot of expectations about what a woman should look like or what beauty is and how beauty is such a part of your value. And so for me, when I really think of how my relationship shifted, it was understanding what value I really brought. Mm. And so instead of in my 20s, a lot of it was trying to be this person that I thought would be cool, that I thought would be beautiful, that I thought other people wanted to see. And the biggest shift for me, and it took a lot of action and it's still happening right now, is realizing that the more you're trying to be somebody else, the more you're going to attract people and situations that are perfect for the person you're pretending to be. Mm. And so when you realize when you've accomplished those things that you aren't quite happy or it still feels empty, it's because none of those things are fueling the true authentic you. And, it, and it's almost annoying sometimes hearing, oh, be your authentic self when you're not there yet, because who are you? Mm. You know, there's so many layers to peel back that I, again, think is a lifelong journey of doing. But right now, I know the things that light me up right now because I've spent time 
playing in those areas. I've given a voice to each of those things and went in and tried. And some of the things weren't my thing. Like I got certified in skydiving. And the moment I got the certification, I never really wanted to go again. (laughs) So things like that and being okay. Uh Not everything you choose needs to be a lifelong commitment. Yes. But just play in the things and know what you want to hold on to. Feel free to release some things as you go on. But the more you actually discover yourself, the more you can live into the things that you discover. And then you're going to realize one day, wow, the people around me really see me. The things I'm doing feel right for me and the value I'm giving feels right where I'm needed. And that I think is when the differences really start to happen. Yes, so true. And you know, um, I love how Byron Katie in her book, Loving What Is, her big thing is I love you until I don't. I'm committed until I'm not. And I think that there's something to that when it comes to your relationship to yourself and how you're talking about seeing your self-expression, seeing your journey as a, an experience and an experiment, you know, and um, giving your, don't hold yourself hostage to commitments you made. It doesn't mean you need to be flaky, you know, it just means that like you can fully try something on and take it off if it doesn't fit you, you know? Yeah, and as you evolve as a human, which you're going to constantly do, you might need more. You might need different. It's like people in their mid-40s wanting to go through a career change. There is nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean you chose the wrong career before. It means it served you up until this point. Mm -hmm. And now it might be time to explore a new side of you that needs expression. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, so step four embodiment, I feel like that's really the work is like, okay, we're doing all this work on our mind. Um, and then how do we truly embody it? Yeah. And so as you've developed this relationship and you're finding new things about yourself, embodiment to me is, is grounding that into reality. It's, it's just taking action on those things. So, so many times we sit in these periods of indecision and wonder if we should do something and if we shouldn't do something. And there was a moment for me that I realized indecision is a form of pain. The moment that you actually take action, whether it's to realize this isn't the right step or to realize this is the first step, that is when you, you're able to actually build momentum and see it in a new way. Instead of just mulling it over in your head. Action is the key to not only becoming these things, it's also the key to changing behaviors and patterns. And so, as I said in the beginning, all I was doing was reading books. Yeah, I wasn't ready to take action yet, but I also wasn't able to become any of those things. But it still was a critical step for me to I think I was so low, I needed uh, some new thought patterns before I could. So again, being okay with what is and being okay with how long it's going to take you, but also being okay with taking a little bit of a risk or, or living a little bit more boldly and and trying things on, as you said. So yeah, the embodiment part is really where things are going to live. It's like you've done the groundwork with each of the steps, but this is when you you create it in your reality and you start to see the fruits of your effort. And so the things that I think are really important to go along with this is I like to acknowledge my progress. And I'm sure every 
person has heard about tracking your wins at this point, most people. But for me, it was really important to make note of and see in reality the steps that I have taken so that I could see I can do this. Yes. This is where you start to trust yourself. This is where you start to believe in what you're capable of because you're actually able to see it instead of just thinking about it. Yes, I love that. And, um, you know, it's so interesting how much energy we, we waft when we don't trust ourselves. It's like indecision is one of the most tiring ways to live. It almost feels like if you live in making decisions and you make the wrong one, it's so much easier to clean up the wrong decision than it is to live and, ex- and experience the cost of life when you're completely indecisive. And I was listening to Tony Robbins and he said the number one quality he thinks that leaders need to have are decisiveness. So really interesting. Um, Okay, well, this has been so helpful. I guess for anybody listening right now who wants to make a change outside of these four steps of commitment, awareness, relationship, embodiment, like what is one piece of advice you could give everybody listening as we close out? I think if the loving what is thing is the most important thing, if you can make it an actual pattern to take your triggers and reroute them to just a moment of of sending it love, whether you feel it or not right away. In the beginning, it might feel fake. I think a lot of new changes do. And then we think, well, this isn't for us. This doesn't feel like me at all. It's because you're not used to it. Mm. And the more you can, you that goes with the commitment part, Be say to yourself, well, for one month, I'm trying this. Stop and just send love to that moment or to that thing or to that challenge, it'll immediately shift the energy around you and that thing, your relationship with you and that thing, whether that thing is on the outside or it's a part of you right now. And so I think, as I said, so much of this life journey is just self-discovery and learning to love it all, learning to love yourself through it. Mm. And another really big thing is I found in self-discovery, especially after I read a good book and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what everything can be. It's easy to look at all of the work that needs to be done. It's easy to see the gap between where you are now and where you want to be and focus on that gap. But all that is, is focusing on the lack of what isn't quite yet. Mm. And so I think that seeing where you want to be and the changes you want to make is almost like putting in the destination to your GPS. But then you have to focus on right now, what turn needs to be made right now and being okay that there's still... 72 days until you get there. Mm. So um, see how you can reshift to that present moment and love everything that is on the way there because the present moment is all you're going to have through the entire journey. And when you get there, there's going to be a new destination that you're putting in. So if you're always casting your, your casting it out till that to the future, then it's going to be really hard to find that love in the present moment. Thank you so much. And where can everybody find you? You can find me on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Just search mind love, two words, or mindlove.com and on social at mindlovemelissa. Ah, thank you so much for being on the show. So great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Hey, hey, it's Ashley Stahl from Ashley International and Cake Publishing and the U-Turn Podcast now. 
Uh, just checking in with you, wanting to talk about forgiveness. It is such an important topic because the worst type of forgiveness to overlook is the kind you do to yourself. It is so important that you're forgiving yourself and creating that connection to yourself because the more disconnected you are from yourself, the less possible it is for you to connect with just about anything. So how do you forgive yourself? How do you do work on yourself so that you're not projecting your own pain onto other people? The first step is whenever your peace is disturbed, you know that it is an opportunity for you to forgive yourself. So start to pay attention to your body because your body's going to let you know when you're, you've lost some level of peace. So feel your body. And when your peace feels like it's off kilter or you feel like you're just not in an ideal state, check in with your thoughts. Like, what are you thinking? Uh, so this reminds me a lot about my friend who called me the other day with her ex-boyfriend who wanted to call and talk to her or meet up with her. And she was feeling a lot of stress about the meeting feeling like, is he going to confront me about this or about that? And is this going to be a bad conversation? And uh, she had some things that he kind of knew about that she hadn't fully talked to him about. And I was telling her the first thing, the first order of business that you always need to do when your peace is disturbed or when you're having a conversation with someone, anything is you owe it to yourself to forgive yourself. Uh, you cannot have a conversation that hurts you with somebody when you own something, well, I mean, it can hurt you. It can be painful, but nobody can make you wrong for something that you take ownership over. And that's why the first step is once you forgive yourself, once you make peace with yourself uh, and you own something, people can't be upset with you about it. You're owning it. So the first line of business is whenever you feel your peace disturbed, get quiet, tap into your awareness and start to pay attention to what aspects of you are present. Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it sadness? Is it judgment? Is it frustration? Is it rage? Like whatever you feel is really taking you over. And then my recommendation would be to write from that part of you, like give that part of you a voice. So if rage is present, write from the rage. If happiness is present, write from the happiness. Usually your peace isn't disturbed when you're hit by a drain of happiness, but hey, if that's you, that's amazing. Um, write from that part of you and start to write all the judgments that you have on that part of you has on you. Maybe, you know, you have a rage come over you and it thinks that you're you don't deserve something or that you didn't do something right, whatever that rage has to say or whatever that sadness has to say or heartbreak, whatever you're going through, uh, write from it, give it a voice and just start writing all the judgments it has on you, all the judgments it has on other people uh, or if there's a person in the situation and all the judgments it has about the world because you're going through that. That's a really juicy one because usually those are your beliefs. And once you take a look at all of these things, forgive yourself. Remember that you are human. Remember your humanity. Uh, and after you forgive yourself, own where you could have done better. Give yourself the space to self-evaluate um, and really take a look. You know, do you really think all of these are 100% true? All the things that this part of you is saying. So let's say your anger tells you that you don't deserve something and other people don't deserve something from you and everybody's wrong or whatever it's saying. Um, forgive yourself for that. And from there, really, really move into a place of self-acceptance. And the way to do that is to question the beliefs. And one way I'll do it is if the anger says you don't deserve something, I'll find evidence that is of the opposite. So maybe the evidence will say, 
but I do deserve that because I did this or because I did that or because I'm, I am this. Of course I deserve that. So I look for evidence to counter my beliefs and be able to forgive myself. So I know this is really complicated, but whenever your peace is disturbed, all you need to do is remember, figure out what aspect of you is present. Get silent. Start writing from that part of you. Give it a voice. Look at the judgments it has on you, the world, the other person, whatever have you. Question those judgments. Really question those. Find evidence that supports the opposite of the ones that are extra painful and realize that all of these things are made up. These are all stories you're telling yourself, whether it's fear-based stories to keep you from getting hurt, keep you from getting vulnerable, to keep you from being the light that you are, whatever it is, forgive yourself first and take full ownership. And if you made a quote unquote mistake in your life, own it. Tell yourself you should have done, you're, you did the best you were you could have done at that time. You're going to do better next time and take ownership of it saying, I'm not proud of it. If somebody confronts you, I'm not proud of that. That's something that I was doing the best I could at the time, but it's not something I would do again. Uh, whatever it is, it's all about ownership. It's all about release. And it's all about first forgiving you. Don't go into conversations with people that want you to for, you know, offer some sort of forgiveness until you have forgiven yourself. All right. Sending you a lot of love. I know this was kind of nebulous and complicated, but not really uh, excited to hear how this goes. Tweet at me, Instagram me at Ashley Stahl at U-Turn podcast, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast. Uh, really excited to hear how this resonates for you. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.